Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. people like questions? One, a couple people. Sorry, how many people like asking questions? That's probably a better one. Nobody, all the parents are like, no, don't ask me another question. (laughs) But how many people like asking questions? Okay, good, good. There's a part of this summer series that we're doing, the heroes of the faith, that for me, it's all about questions. It's all about asking questions, and many times as we, as we look at the heroes of the faith, as we look at chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and we think about uh, their stories, I don't know about you, but many of us, if I start throwing out the names, even the ones we've talked about, if we talk about Abel, if we talk about Noah, up to this point, you're probably like, oh yeah, I know those guys, and if t- this morning we're going to talk about Abraham, and many of you are like, oh, I know Abraham, I'm going to nap while he's talking, and the thing is, is um, how many, when you read through the stories, do you start asking questions? You start trying to figure out, how did this actually work out? I don't know about you, but anybody, when you think of the, um, wow, let's try this again. When you think about like Bible stories and stuff like that, do you actually stop and go, what did that look like? How did that come about? Is it just me or do you start like thinking questions? Anybody? Not too, just a few people. Okay, the rest of you just need to pray for creativity in your mind. Because if your time reading the Bible isn't exciting, it's because your brain isn't functioning while you're reading it. Because how many people have you... Okay, so the Israelites, they come to the Red Sea. You know the story, right? They're with walking with Noah, right? I was just seeing how many people were actually paying attention. <laughs> Few people like, wait, what? I thought it was Moses. You were right. I was being a punk. And so they come to the Red Sea. Moses sticks out his staff, the Red Sea parts, they walk through. Cool story, right? Anybody else wondering when they're walking through what those walls look like? Anybody else wondering, like, was there fishes swimming by? I sometimes honestly wonder if there was a fish stuck like halfway. (laughs) These are just things that go on in my head, but like, I've told you before, when I get to heaven, I don't have any questions for God because he's God. But I do really hope there's a theater in heaven because I want to get to heaven and I want to be able to go into the theater and pick certain Bible stories and just hit play and get to watch that Bible story actually happen because there's too many stories in there that just make me go, okay, there's more to this. I've talked about it before with Samson. He catches 300 foxes ties their tails together in pairs and sticks a torch in them and lets them run in a field. First off, little psycho. (laughs) Second, that's crazy amazing. Like, does nobody else, am I the only one that goes, okay, yeah, I'd like to watch that video. Like, we're talking like trending on YouTube, making tons of money just watching this video of, forget cats, foxes running with torches in their tail. These are the things that happen in my head. And so this is, as we go through the heroes of the Bible, this is what I want to talk about. 
I want to talk about the heroes of faith, but maybe look at some stuff that we kind of just skim through and we read and we go, well, that's great because you've read the story before. And most of you sometimes look at, is it just a story? And you're like, well, that's great. But these people walked through this. They lived through this. So there's certain parts of it that I want to touch on this morning, just in Abraham's faith. And so you have to realize, like, our faith almost begins at Abraham. I realize it begins with the Lord for all the theological ones in the room. But, like, you have to realize when we talk about um, Israel, we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just the fact that we're so used to saying that, if things didn't get twisted, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, which just sounds weird to us. But the fact that it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it just sounds right, but it got twisted. And so, see, random thoughts that happen in my head. But what happens is, when we think about who Abraham is, how many people would love to have faith like Abraham? Can I tell you something? We're going to talk about it this morning. You probably do. Because there's moments in our walk with God, just like Abraham, where Abraham takes huge steps of faith. And then he has what I call lack of faith moments. And then all of a sudden, he has huge steps of faith. And then lack of faith moments. Anybody goes, hey, that's like me. Right? Like, this is who we are. And I love the fact that when we, he makes it into the heroes of faith. See, here's the neat thing with God. We know David, the shepherd who became king. We know him as the man after God's heart. We don't know him as the adulterous murderer, which he was. So isn't it cool to you that we can be like David? I'm not suggesting you like fully live like David. But like, is it not amazing to you that you can make mistakes and still when you get to heaven, God go, hey, Harlan, you got a Heroes of Faith chapter with your name in it. Like, can you imagine the table just shrunk? It freaked me out there for a sec. Um, (laughs) It can't go down when I want it to, but it goes down when I don't want it to. But this is the way our faith works, just like the table, up and down. And so there's moments where we are very strong in our faith, and then there's moments where we struggle. And I'm so thrilled that as I read through this book, that there are so many people in it just like me. And so let's pray. Father, I thank you for just your powerful word. That, Lord, as we read through it, you didn't just put in the highlights, but, Father, there's parts in there that are actually blooper reels as well. That, Father, we can identify with these individuals. Where We have moments where we feel so strong in our faith, and then there's moments where we feel so weak. But, Lord, as we read through the Bible, there's so many people you use just like me and just like every one of us in this room. So, Holy Spirit, this morning I pray for open ears and open hearts just to receive from you this morning. Let my words be your words. Hide me behind the cross. And Lord, I pray for lives to be challenged, encouraged, and changed this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So one of the key verses that we have is Hebrews 11. We're starting with the verse uh, 1 to 3. And it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made from what was visible. So this whole idea that nothing was here and Jesus just spoke and things happened. The amazing thing for me is this is supposed to be our faith. This is what's supposed to set us apart 
from other people in the world. Yes, we're supposed to love Jesus, but what sets us apart is the faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. We're supposed to be confident and we're supposed to have assurance. And that way, it doesn't ever say in our Christian walk that everything will be peaceful and joyful and butterflies and rainbows. It doesn't say that. Jesus actually talks about storms coming and the things happening. If we build our house on the rock, then we will survive the storm. But it's faith and confidence in what we do not see. It's believing that as that storm is happening, our confidence is in the Lord. Our faith is in the Lord. This assurance that we are going to get through it and we will be okay, that's what separates us. So when your neighbor, your coworker sees you going through a hard time, just like they may go through, and all of a sudden they just see you kind of chill a little bit. They're like, what? How, how can you relax? I just trust in Jesus. A fairy tale? Well, no, not exactly. And it's our peace and our love that leads people to Jesus. Abraham, I kind of look at him as like the father of faith. Like I said, it goes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he kind of is like the grandfather of faith. He's kind of like the guy who kind of started it all. And what I love about him is anybody here, um, have you ever moved? Anybody moved before? Okay, so now let's, let's narrow this down a little bit. I'm not talking moving from like Shakespeare to New Hamburg or New Hamburg to Tavistock. I mean like, have you packed up your family and moved area codes? Anybody moved area codes? All right, so we're talking a little, see, a little less hands. Not a bit, I'm not centering people out. But I'm just saying there's, there's this part of us that even when you're moving across town, even when you're uh, moving across the street, you're moving for a reason, and there's still a part of you inside like, this is what I believe God wants us to do. And in that confidence, in that strength, if you're truly transparent, you're about 75% sure. That's why it's faith. Because you're like, this is what God wants us to do. This is what we're supposed to do. Because nobody's going to follow really a leader that's like, well, I'm about, you know, I think this is what he wants us to do. <laughs> Honey, I think we should move. Why? Well, I just kind of feel like I think, like, no, like we, we, we upsell ourselves, don't we? And if we're really honest with each other, when we walk by faith and people look at us and go, you know, oh man, I wish I had the faith that person has. I just want you to know, they're like a duck on the water, nice and calm on the water, but underneath their feet are just a spinning. <laughs> Just a spin and going, I hope I got this right. That's all it is. And it's, it's okay. Because see, Abraham, in Genesis 12, this is what God asked him to do. The Lord said to Abram, he hasn't even become Abraham yet. Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. 
See, here's the interesting thing. When you read the Bible, you have to realize that when Genesis was written, um, they didn't put in the chapters and the verses. Later on, men put that in there for references. It's easier for us to follow. It's easier for us to jump there. You couldn't imagine as every Bible has a different size for me to go, turn to Genesis, the, you know, the fourth page, second paragraph, third line. You'd be all over the place. And so they put this in here. But what you need to realize is if you go back to Genesis 11, right at the end of Genesis 11, it's kind of going through a genealogy, and it talks about Abram's dad. Abram's dad was told to move. And when he was told to move, he was told to move to the land of Canaan. Well, that's interesting because Abram left Haran and moved to Canaan. He was supposed to leave his dad's house, but his dad was... So here's what happened. Fill in the blanks. Scripture actually tells us at the end of chapter 11 that as they moved across the country, they came to Haran. And when they got to Haran... Scripture says they settled there. I don't know about you, but I never want to settle. I never want to settle for something when God has more. And I believe too often in our lives, we know what God has promised us, but maybe the journey feels too long. Maybe the road feels too hard. I don't know why he stopped. It doesn't say why he stopped. It just says he stopped and he settled. And I don't ever want to. I always want to walk by faith more than I ever want to settle. I might not have all the answers, but man, my God does. And so Abram takes the first huge step of faith. He moves his family. He goes from where his dad settled, and they move into a country where God has shown him, God has promised, and this is just the beginning. Here's now the interesting thing. I don't know about you, but moving once is hard enough. Melissa and I moved enough times in our lives. We haven't matched some of you. We don't need to do the whole competition thing. But everybody just knows packing and moving just stinks. Now, you declutter a lot, and you find stuff that you're like, I didn't even know I still had this. I should keep it. No, like, <laughs> right? Like, isn't this what we do? Man, I thought we lost this. We should keep it longer. No, um, oh, this shirt, I don't think it fits. But one day... My little toddler will fit in this shirt. Um, all of a sudden, I'm so sorry. The, so he has this huge step of faith, moves his family, moves everything. And then all of a sudden, in Genesis 12, a famine comes. And so God tells him to move to Egypt. Okay? I want to read this story to you as he moves to Egypt. Because to me, this is where he hides his wife and it's a lack of faith move. Genesis 12:10 says this. Now there was a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because of the, fam the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. All the wives thought that was a pretty nice compliment, right? No? Okay. Wow. Yes? Yes? Men, turn to your wife and say, you are a beautiful woman. No, I was actually telling you two guys. Go ahead. All right. When the Egyptians... Now, don't, men, don't repeat after me from this point on. When, verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. 
Say you, my, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Like I said, there's certain parts of the Bible that I just want to sit in a theater with a bowl of popcorn and watch how this played out. Can you imagine for a minute Abram and Sarai sitting down for a cup of tea after dinner on their way to Egypt and this conversation happening? Sarai, you're beautiful. You are gorgeous. You are so gorgeous that when we get to Egypt, all the guys are going to want to marry you. And they'll kill me because of it. So here, let's just say you're my sister. That way life will go well with me. And if Pharaoh wants to marry you, we'll let him. (laughs) This is the conversation that just happened. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't understand how that played out. Melissa's not here, but I don't think that conversation would go well between us. Or, because I had the conversation, it would go well, it would just end there. This is the idea. This is what we have to realize. These things actually happened. Talk about a lack of faith moment. The Lord got me to move, provided everything I need, increased everything, all my wealth. He moves me to Egypt just to make sure that I don't die and starve to death. But in this moment, I actually just don't think he'll protect my wife and my my life. In the meantime as well, God has still made the promise that he will be the father of nations. So that promise hasn't been fulfilled, so therefore Abram can't die. There are times in our lives where God has promised us stuff, he has shown himself faithful, but if you're like me, we still chicken out. We still chicken out. And I don't know about you, I'm a details guy, I'm a numbers guy, so there's moments where I'm like, when we pack to go somewhere, there's certain things I think of that Melissa doesn't, there's certain things she thinks of that I don't think of, and we just kind of connect all the dots and we leave hoping we have everything, and if not, there's a store along the way, amen? (laughs) And so now, I feel like Abram gets to a point with God where he goes, okay, God has all the big deals, he moved me from here to here, there wasn't much details in the middle, Uh, he's moving us to Egypt to make sure we're alive. He promised a son, but it still hasn't happened yet. Man, I don't know if he's going to protect my wife and I. I should take matters into my own hands. Now, how many of us have taken matters into our own hands? Now, are you like me and you realize the more matters you take into your hands, the more it messes up? I don't know about you, but I really can mess things up. And so there's parts of this where I'm reading about Abraham, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I love this guy. He makes me look good. There's parts of his journey that just make you go, wait a minute, I can do this. If he is in the hall of fame of faith, and this is his life, I don't know about you, but I think I can do this. See, I've seen God in my own life do so many things, but yet there's parts of me that still struggle with faith. There's parts of me that still are having a hard time going, okay, I'll completely let go of this part, or I'll completely let go of this part. It's easier to hang on to, even though I'm probably holding God back. And then this verse comes up, and man, it's a verse for me that I hang on to. Jesus is talking to a father, and the father's looking for healing, and he asks the father, do you believe that I can heal him? Basically, I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing all of this. Mark 9, 24, and responds, the father, it says, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, I do believe, 
Help me overcome my unbelief. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to guess if I ask for a show of hands, and I won't, that this is many of us. It might not be in every area of your life, but there's probably one, maybe two, maybe 20, that in your life you're like, yes, I believe God can do this. But Chad, there's this little, little spot right here that just, I don't know, it, there's this little unbelief in it. You know, the one time I did this and it didn't play out the way I thought it was going to. I realize it probably wasn't God, it was me, but there's still this little, and this verse for me is so big that I believe God, I believe you have the best for me, I believe that you look after me, I believe you look after my family, I believe that you have me in the palm of your hands and everything will work out uh, for the greater, for those who love you. So Lord, just, just help me overcome that little bit of unbelief. And because of his unbelief, how many here, you might have some unbelief, but maybe you're like, oh, that's not really me, Chad, but how many people here can be honest and say you're a little impatient? Just remember, we all drive in the same town. <laughs> and I have very tinted windows. You don't even know if it's me. I'm teasing. But we all can get impatient. And so Abram's next lack of faith step is he tries to have a child on his own. So question here real quick for everybody in the room. I just want to ask as we kind of talk about this. Um, I'm going to start high and then we'll work our way back. Anybody in the room 100 years old? George, Luke, you guys both look great. Two probably almost youngest guys in the room. Um, anybody 100 years old? Hands up. 90? Going to work our way back. Nine, uh, 85. Both? Both 85? Wow, very impressive. Eight, 86? Okay, beautiful. So anybody 87? I'm just trying to work our way. I want to find out who the oldest one in the room, the nicest way I can. 87, 88, 89? All right, we got the two oldest ones in the room. I apologize for sending you out this way, and I'm about to have really fun in the fact that you're, uh, you're married, right? Yeah, this makes this question even better than the first service. Could you guys imagine yourselves, so you're 86, so could you guys imagine yourselves having a kid in 14 years from now? No? Okay. It's just a question. Come on. We're alpha. We just advertised. We're okay with questions, everybody. Just asking a question. All right? So, Abram promised to have a kid when he was 75 years old. So, 10 years later, maybe, I don't know how long it was before Ishmael came along, but all of a sudden they get to a point where they're getting a little impatient. So they have a child on their own. And that decision actually we're paying for still today. But I want to just read something to you. Genesis 16, verse 1 2. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife. Remember I asked you, I said to you, there's certain times where I'm like, okay, I just want to be a fly on a wall for a conversation. Like, how did this conversation go? Abram and Sarai's marriage is unbelievable for, like, dinnertime conversation. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had, a born, had born him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. 
See, you've read this many times, but until I start saying to you, like, how did this conversation happen? You begin to giggle a little bit and realize these are real people. This is real life. And I know I'm I'm not making light of it, but when you start reading it in context of they had this conversation, like, forget it. I just know that if I try to do things on my own, if I try to uh, speed up the process for God because of my impatience, I just mess it up. And here, Sarai and Abram, both impatient. Usually, I don't know about you guys, but usually when Melissa and I are impatient and we're like trying to wait on God, we're trying to get things done, one of us in the conversation is the anchor going, hold on, let's just be patient, we should just pray. Both of them are not the anchors here. They are flying. And so they've waited long enough. It's time now. I've waited this long. This is, we need to have this happen. Some of you might go to the other side of impatience. Here's Sarai. Listen to her words. Her words here said, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Some of us get to a point with God where it's taking so long in our journey for him to do something, we almost disqualify ourselves. And we just say, God, I don't think God wants to use me. I don't don't know if this promise was for the two of us. I don't know if this promise, I'm holding people back. And it's the enemy lying. It's the enemy lying, and we get to a point where we think we're not good enough. And God, God, just use somebody else because this is not going to work with me because I think there's something wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with Sarah. It's the journey that they're on. Now, Abram's had a couple hiccups on steps of faith, and then all of a sudden he gets this massive step of faith. He decides to negotiate with God. I don't know about you but I've never really negotiated with God. And I don't always recommend it either. But I do believe that God knows Abram's heart in this moment, in this moment where in Genesis uh, 18, Abraham is negotiating with God to try and save Sodom and Gomorrah. But more than anything, he's trying to save his nephew's life. And so he starts off the conversation God, what if you find 50 righteous people? I realize those are just tens, but what if you find 50 righteous people? And God goes, okay, if I find 50, I won't destroy the place. And Abram's like, yes. What about 40? What if you find 40 righteous people? God goes, yeah, okay. If I find find 40. Now, see, Abraham's Abraham's a good negotiator because he uses tens, and then he's smart enough to go, if I go too many tens, it's going to move too quick. i got to wheel and deal a little bit. He breaks it down to fives. Okay, so what if you find 35? Yeah, okay, 35. Okay, good, good, good. What about uh, about 30? Messed up my math there for a second. What about 30? Yeah, 30 works, 30 works. What about 25? He wheels and deals God down to 10. 10. I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that goes, man, you have such 
boldness. Such faith to be able to go, God, hold on a second. I know your heart's not to destroy people. I know your heart's not to do this. So what if we find this many righteous people? Yeah, okay, okay. Now, the sad thing is, Abram gets to the city and he finds his nephew Lot and gets his two, do- his two nieces and they basically get out of Dodge before it happens. And that's it. But I can't imagine the step of faith it had to take to hear God tell him what he's going to do and him go, well, hold on a sec, God. Have you thought this through? What about, what about this, God? We see it later with Moses when Moses is kind of arguing with God and God and Moses are arguing over who the Israelites actually belong to. Po- belong to. Nobody wants ownership. It's like the day of your kid when you're in the mall. It's not my kid. It's your kid, right? Like this, this is what God is doing. He's like, I'm out. But the boldness it took, the step of faith to be able to sit with God and have this conversation. Now here's the other step of faith that's just amazing for me. The birth of Isaac. What a step of faith. We've already negotiated this morning. Nobody's really interested at 100 years old of having a kid. Nobody's really interested in this process. Now, I want to read to you from Hebrews for two reasons. It kind of tells the story, and it's also funny. And when you read it in Genesis of the story, like you can put the math together and be like, wow, that's really old to have kids. And I'm not picking on older people in the room. I apologize. I'm not saying anything. I'm going to read scripture. And so here's what scripture says in Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, even Sarah, who was past bearing, childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, be, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. That's God. She believed God was faithful. Now verse 12. And so from this one man, And he as good as dead. (laughs) I'm reading scripture. This, honestly, if you're not reading the Bible and getting a kick out of some of this stuff, you're not letting the story come alive in your heart. This stuff is here, honestly, I think, to one, engage us, make us laugh, and realize the miracle that God did when Isaac was born. So much so that the Hebrew writer says, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. What a step of faith. Now I want to talk to everybody in the room. Doesn't matter the color of your hair, doesn't matter the lack of your hair, it doesn't matter your age, whether old or young. Here's the thing that I get from this. God's never, never finished with you. If you're sitting here right now and you can breathe, God's not done with you. He's not finished. Here's what you need to realize. Last week we talked about Noah, right? Okay, some people, no, okay. Noah, it's just a reminder for everybody that was sleeping at the park. Noah was in his 500s. How many people want to hear that statement? Noah was in his 500s when he started building the ark. He was in his 600th year 
when it started raining. So for everybody in the room who is in retirement age and thinks, well, I'm just kind of getting old. Noah was 600. (laughs) Abram was 100 when he had his first child. Steps of faith happens at all ages. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. But steps of faith should always be happening, in my opinion. If you're not taking steps of faith, if you're not taking, doing things for God that's stretching you, then I honestly, like, I would feel like my Christian life was boring. There's a part of taking steps of faith that are fun, exciting. Yeah, but Chaz, sometimes you take the wrong step. Yep, and I have scars for those as well. But to quote Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Babe Ruth, don't ever let the fear of striking out stop you from playing the game. Those weren't in the first service. That was just for you guys. (laughs) But there's parts of us that because we're nervous of messing up, we don't do anything. And I call that boring. There's parts of us that God wants to challenge you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to say, take a step of faith. But I don't know how it's going to turn out. Do you trust me? Well, I trust you, God, then step. Do you realize it wasn't until my son got a little bit older that he hesitated when I said jump? And I never dropped him, just for the record. But as we get older, we realize, oh, there's a gap. But you get a young kid and his dad, doesn't matter the height, doesn't matter the gap, jump. And the kid's like, okay. (laughs) But you know what? That's why the Bible says have childlike faith. When your heavenly father says jump, just jump. He'll catch you. Yeah, but Chad, sometimes it feels like a pretty good free fall before he catches me. Maybe, but he still catch you. When was the last time you took a step of faith. What is God asking you to do? What is he asking you? Not the last step, but one of the steps of faith that he took, Abram, was to sacrifice his son. To sacrifice his son. After all this time, after all this wait for this promise to come, in Genesis 22, 1-19, you can read it, Abraham is told to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Do you want to know what blows me away about this scripture verse? It's not even the fact that he was asked. What blows me away is it says says in the scriptures, early the next morning he left. I don't know about you, but too many of us take time to pray. Well, Chad, we're supposed to pray. Not pray ourselves out of things. God, what is it you want me to do? What is the step of faith you want? He tells you, I'm just going to pray a little bit longer about that one. Maybe we should take some time to pray and fast. No, if he tells you, be obedient and step. Abraham steps. He goes early the next morning. And here's the cool thing about this. Isaac catches on. He's old enough to pay attention. Here's what he says in the scripture. He says, Dad, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? So Isaac is old enough. He's done this enough times. Dad, you forgot something. Mom, I think dad took a wrong turn. 
No, he's, he's walking and going, wait a minute. Okay, I see the wood. He's carrying the fire. Dad, where's the lamb? And I truly believe Abram's answer is not a lie. He says, God will provide one. I don't believe he's lying to his son. I believe he has faith. But let's walk this through for a minute. Anybody a few years ago see the the TV series that came out, The Bible? And we won't talk about theology, but like, did anybody watch some of it? All right? Some of you are like, it wasn't written by David, so I didn't watch it. Um, No, like, it opens your eyes to some things. It really does. I don't know why David came to mind at all. Should have been Paul. No, I don't know. Um, But here's, here's the thing that opened my mind about this. We don't read in between the lines. Now, I realize theologically some people, well, that's dangerous. But you need to understand this story. In this TV series, this is really the only part of it that I ever watched, and I haven't got back to watching the rest. But this part blew my mind, and it's where I started thinking outside the box a little bit, reading the scriptures, and going, what actually happened in these moments? And what happens is it shows Abraham coming out of the tent, and he sticks a knife in his belt, and he goes... I'm going to go sacrifice to the Lord. Be gone a few days. Sarai's sitting there, not with a cup of coffee, but just imagine today. She's sitting there with a cup of coffee, and she's like, see ya, don't forget your sunscreen. And away he goes, and he's walking, and all of a sudden Sarah's sitting there for a little bit, and she's drinking her coffee and just chilling. And you have to realize, Abraham's camp is not like your house or my house. Like he has servants, he has a large family, he has a large group of people. So you have to imagine like a campground. This is where he lives. So there's got to be a part here where Sarah's like, oh, I don't see Isaac. He's probably playing with Billy or Jimmy down the street. This is, and right? And then all of a sudden, it gets a little bit closer to lunchtime, and like Isaac doesn't like to miss a meal, so he should be home soon, and he's not showing up. So all of a sudden, Sarah starts wondering, where's Isaac? And all of a sudden in the show, it just shows this like, white almost come over her face, this shock of like, no. And she starts running around, running around the camp. Have you seen Isaac? 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 Haven't seen him all day. Jimmy, did you see Isaac? No, I haven't seen him. Billy, did you see Isaac? No, I haven't seen him. Running all over the campground. And all of a sudden she runs to where they keep all the lamps. She talks to the guy at the gate, the shepherd or whatever he is, and she's like, did Abraham come and get a lamb? Did Abraham come and get a lamb? And she's freaking out. And the guy at the gate goes, no, I haven't seen Abraham all day. And she just starts to weep because she's pieced it together. Now, realize, Abraham didn't just like go down the street. He's gone. And while he's gone, Sarah's sitting at home panicking. Her only child literally took a hundred years. Now, as they get to the mountain, Abraham turns to his servants, which again, I believe is not a lie. I believe it's a statement of faith. You wait here. We will be back. He didn't say, I will be back. He said, we. There's a statement of faith and belief in his words. Now, just the way my head works, How on earth did he get Isaac on the altar? Like, was it a game? Hey, let's play, let's play sacrifice, Isaac. I'll lay on the altar first, and then it's your turn. Like, how does he get this kid on the altar? 
Does he like lasso him, rope him up, tie him up? Like how does he pin him to this altar? Now this is where if you've never read the Bible and you're this is the first time ever kind of hearing about the Bible, you think this cannot be in the Bible. This guy is crazy. No, this is in the Bible. And the father has him tied down. It's the only way I can think of it. Miles is not going, oh, this is fun, Dad. Go ahead. Like, he's not doing this. So he's got him tied to this altar. He pulls his knife out. And this is in the, this is, this show is showing this. And it's just like mind-blowing as you're like, this is what happened. Like, we don't think about it. We read it. And we're like, oh, yeah, he took him up the mountain. And they went to sacrifice. And, oh, yeah, an angel stopped him. And no, like, angel stopped him as he's about to do it. So here's his son laying there, looking up at him, able to communicate because he says, hey, we got the fire, we got the wood, where's the lamb? Oh, you're the lamb. He's got a knife up over him, and then an angel says, stop. And in that moment, then he hears the bush rustle, rustle, and there's the lamb. In this show, as as they're walking back to camp, it shows Abraham walking with the servants, and Isaac is like way out ahead of him, of course. There's trust issues. And so he's like beelining it, right? Just want you to know, nowhere in Scripture does it talk about Isaac and Abraham ever going camping again. (laughs) And so in this story, though, it shows Abraham getting back to camp first. And as he comes over the cliff, over the hill, Sarai sees him and just sees Abraham. And she drops to her knees, weeping. And then as Abraham's walking down the hill, Isaac, again, at a distance, comes booking past him and runs right to his mother's arms, of course. And she just celebrates that he's there. You have to realize as we walk through these stories, they're not just stories. People live them, line by line, word by word, and information in between of life happening. And so as we read through this, this is what it stands out to me in um, Hebrews. It talks about this part. Hebrews eleven 17. I'm just going to jump right down to verse uh, 19, if we can, on the screen, just for time. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham reasoned that even if I kill Isaac, Isaac is the promised one. God didn't just say through a child, I will be a father of nations. He said through Isaac. So even if for some reason I sacrifice Isaac, I don't get it, God, I don't understand it, but you could raise him from the dead. So this morning I asked you, what promise that God has given you that you need to sacrifice? Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you've been praying and God has promised you for all these years that you would, you would be in a relationship or you would be in a business or you would um, have favor and you are supposed to lay it down. But Chad, this is the promise God has given me. I don't disagree. And I'm not saying you have to. I'm just asking, has God spoken to you about a promise and now the promise is in your hands? And God's saying, actually, just give it back. What do you mean give it back? Unload it all. 
well, I can just keep this. No, all of it. But God, you promised this to me. I don't understand. God doesn't always look for understanding. He looks for obedience. And so this morning, I just ask, is there something that you're supposed to lay down? Are you in a relationship that's not a married relationship and God's asking you to separate? Is he telling you to stop for a bit? What's he asking? What is he asking you to do today? See, when was the last time you asked God for a step of faith? Because, see, if you ask him today, he will give you a step of faith to take. Because here is the coolest thing about my walk with God that I love, and it's in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we need to be living by faith every day. Do you mean, Chad, we're supposed to take a step of faith every day? Yeah, I do. Because if my faith, for me to have a relationship with the Lord, it says without faith, it's impossible. If everything is smooth and gravy and I know what I'm doing every step of the moment, every moment I know what's going on, then I'm not taking steps of faith. So here is what I want you to do this week. You can start right now, believe it or not. I want you to ask God what the step of faith you are supposed to take in your life. Ask him, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you're asking of me? And then here is the hardest part of all of this. Well, Chad, it's been kind of hard right now. No, no, you just ask, and when he tells you, then it's the hardest part. The hardest part is then being obedient. And just like Abraham, early the next morning. So if he tells you today, I wouldn't even wait till early tomorrow morning. I would start today. And just be like, God, I see Abraham's life. I see how he made some large steps of faith and then how he kind of messed up a couple times. I really identify with Abraham here, not so much here, once in a while here, but a lot here. But God, that doesn't stop me from asking right now for that step of faith because as you walked with Abraham through the highs and lows, you will walk with me. And so I challenge you, ask God, what step of faith do you want me to take? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your presence first, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your willingness to use people like myself and and challenge every one of us in the room. What step of faith do you have for us today, God? God, what is it that you want us to do? Holy Spirit, show me today the step of faith that I need to take. And Lord, don't just show us, but give us the courage to be bold and be obedient. That Holy Spirit, we don't just hear what you want us to do, but we're obedient to do it. That's the hardest part. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts, we open up our ears to hear from you today. And we ask you to lead us and guide us. Show us what you want us to do. And, Lord, stretch us. Let us be a light for you wherever we go. And I pray, Father, that you help us to shine for you and that you give us the strength to be obedient. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.